Hi, I'm Tom Luna. I'm a former school board member. I was privileged to serve as senior advisor to U.S. Secretary of Education, Rod Page. I also had the honor of serving for eight years as Idaho State Superintendent of Public Instruction. During that time, I also served as president of the Council of Chief State School Officers. One thing I have learned in all these experiences is that educating children is not rocket science, it's more complicated. On my podcast, Swimming Upstream, we will visit with courageous leaders who challenge the prevailing tide and inspire all of us to swim against the current. Let's jump in. And we're back with another episode of Swimming Upstream. I'm Tom Luna, the host, and uh, we've had the privilege of talking with state education leaders across the country. We're in season number two, and today we're visiting with Katie Jenner. She is the Secretary of Education for the great state of Indiana. And uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining us on Swimming Upstream. Tom, thank you for having me. And it's great to finally meet you, even though we're we're on screen. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations and we've been at the same places, but never had the opportunity to meet in person and really appreciate. Uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with Indiana, having spent a lot of time there. Uh, when I was in office, your former uh, state chief there, Tony Bennett, was was and continues to be a fond and great friend of mine. And um, so what, when, when you think of the, the title and, and the name of this um, podcast, Swimming Upstream, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're talking about those folks that go against the current. And, and uh, definitely when it comes to education, if we're going to make the change that's necessary, it requires that we you know, push against the status quo and, and swim against the current. And you've done a lot of that. Um, and we're going to talk about that, but I want to start by letting people learn a little bit more about you. Great. Let's start this, um, talk about this, that most people don't know how their state education leader, whether they call them a secretary, a commissioner, or a superintendent, how selected, or they assume that it happens the same way in their state. Um, but what we know is some are elected. That's how we do it in Idaho. Some are appointed. Indiana is a state that went from an elected state superintendent to now an appointed secretary, and you are the first secretary of education in the state of Indiana. So talk to us a little bit about that and and what difference that is going from an elected state superintendent to now an appointed secretary. Sure. So you're exactly right. It's interesting when you look at all of the states, I think they say about a third are elected a third are appointed by a governor and a third are appointed by a state board. Um, So in Indiana, we were one of the electeds and uh, the history um, as it's shared uh, with me and with others is we had Democrat and Republican governors working towards getting this to be a governor appointed position, primarily because um, as in most states, Half of our state budget is education. Yes. And my goodness, you can get so much done when the governor and the education chief link arms and just get after it. So um, I I am thrilled to serve Indiana. I love the work and I'm really thankful for Governor Holcomb for giving me the opportunity. So you're appointed by the governor and you are a member of his cabinet then, senior cabinet. I am. I'm, I'm appointed by Governor Holcomb, a member of his cabinet, as well as I serve as uh, the chair of the State Board of Education. 
Um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's a big role. That's even unique as well, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's not required by statute that I serve as chair. I'm an elected chair, uh, but it sure has helped um, as, again, our state board members are key allies as well to drive yeah. change, to and swim upstream. Yeah, there you go. You were appointed in 2020, so you're in your in your third year, beginning your fourth year, right? And actually, uh, um, I was appointed in November 2020 to start January 21. Okay, all right. Uh, so time flies when you're having fun. A lot of people uh, think that I've been in longer, um, but I am just that about two years and seven months. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, let's talk about some of the things you've been focusing on, um, sure. and and talk about how. Um, some of the things that you've done to uh, make these ideas work in Indiana and and what and what folks can learn from. But one of the things that you've uh, focused on is what I believe uh, you refer to as GPS. Yes. Right. And, and talk yeah. about graduates and, and preparing to succeed, I believe, is 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 the acronym, but uh, or prepared to uh, succeed. So talk to us about that. A lot of states are doing some things that are similar to portrait of a graduate. Uh -huh. And and uh, the the idea that the the purpose of schools um, assuring that when a child graduates, that they're ready for the world that awaits them, it seems kind of a no-brainer, but quite actually, it's something that we haven't spent enough time focusing on That's what right. the expectation should be and needs to be for K-12 education. So talk to us about how okay. you focused on sure. that. So if you, if you think about um, high school today and K-12 today, the normal, what we're doing right now, is in many respects not working. And, it, and if it's working for a few, it's not working for a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in Indiana, we we really directionally said, um, number one, what are the indicators that really matter for a child? In addition to reading scores, in a different, in in addition to understanding math, what are the indicators that make sure we truly blur the lines between K twelve higher ed workforce? Our talent pipeline becomes a pool system um, and that our K-12 system starts to, to shift to better support that. Um, but in order to really understand what that could be, we, we started with building out a, a profile of a graduate. Um, our General Assembly gave us the task and in 2021 to build out a school performance dashboard using a variety of indicators. Um, and, and immediately I had a number of lobbyists calling saying, boy, do I have the assessment for you? Or boy, do I have the way to measure this indicator? Which is fine, um, but again, it, it charged us as a team to say, wait a second, before we throw a bunch of indicators on a dashboard, let's talk to Hoosiers, let's talk to our people, let's talk to the parents the educators, the business people, the community leaders, and understand what matters for all Hoosiers, regardless of where you live, the color of your skin, how much money your parents make or don't make. And that's what led to what we call Indiana Graduates Prepared to Succeed, Indiana GPS, recognizing that the old get your diploma and walk across the stage should not be the end point. 
Exactly. Um, ever. Um, yeah. It should be a, a part of the process. Yeah. So it's interesting in Indiana, the five characteristics that rose to the top, not surprisingly, academic mastery, reading and STEM. Um, the, the second was uh, career and post-secondary readiness, but really a focus on credentials of value um, to increase our educational attainment, as well as work-based learning experiences. The yes. third area, it started to shift to skills. Our stakeholders said we need, and they've said this for a long time, but we need kids who can communicate and not just talk, talk, but are not just TikTok, but actually communicate and talk. Um, so we, we knew we needed that skill development on communication collaboration. The fourth area, which was actually the most debated, um, was work ethic. Um, some people wanted to call it grit, or perseverance, um, but work ethic is, is key. We as a... Um, we as a country, as a society, aren't going to do it for you. You have to write, you have to be a part of the, the solution. The fifth one is civics, financial, and digital literacy. Um, so knowing those five characteristics, our profile of a graduate, we got to work and said, uh, this is great to be um, out here, but the only way we move the needle is to know where we are today. Yeah and be very transparent with our data. Yeah. So indianagps.com shares um, every school in the state of Indiana, all school types, we're for all schools being quality schools. Um, all of the data is out there for these measurement indicators. Um, part of the interesting challenge, Tom, and, and you probably experienced this in, in Idaho, when it comes to K-12 data, the Department of Education has some, the Commission for Higher Ed has some. We wanted to look at longitudinal data points, including you know, five, 10 years out, students' median wage and sustainable employment yeah. and other That's longitudinal. So Department of Workforce Development, but we had to pull all of these in. Um, the final thing I'll mention, the General Assembly gave us a deadline of July 1, 2024. And as I remind our General Assembly leadership, of which we have a great relationship, we, we beat your deadline by a year and a half. But, but, the, but it is very, um, it's a work in progress. It's, we're yeah. still improving it. So let's talk about the work in process because um, I love what, what you shared and those, those five characteristics absolutely critical it's always been a struggle to figure out how to measure them i i you, know, and you you mentioned that a bit um but one of the other challenges is you still have a school day that is so many hours broke yes. up into so many semesters uh if you have graduation requirements that require this many semesters of math this many semesters of english this many semesters of social studies or whatever um and people will try to take what you just what you just described as a vision and a program and try to force it to fit back in that old system, whether that's it's right. a block system. So talk to us about swimming yes. upstream because that that's that that's the current you're swimming against. If, if that's what's really important is those characteristics. And you mentioned literacy and you mentioned STEM, the academic side of it, that's part of it. Um, but you got to do some things 
in high school that you're currently not doing, and which means you're probably going to have to do things you are doing differently. Hmm. So as you were, as you were talking, Tom, um, the first thing that popped in my mind uh, is, is our General Assembly has been pretty aggressive on obviously providing parents choice, but also providing flexibility for our schools. Our, our challenge on the flexibility for schools is on the flexibility waivers that we've been receiving. We're not really shaking the tree, right? Okay. We're not really disrupting. So when you look ahead or previewing um, the work of the state board that's coming, um, we recently did a landscape analysis of, of all the states in our country to, to learn from them on what, are, what do the diploma requirements look like. Um, it was presented to the board. And what we saw is um, a lot of nibbling around the edges, right? Take computer science in lieu of this course, take financial literacy in lieu of this course. Um, but we believe and where the synergy is really building with our stakeholders is it's going to have to be a, a very significant disruption if we really want to shift the paradigm with high school redesign as one example. Yeah. Um, so you think about um, as one component, not only course flexibility, and you already heard me say the, the readiness piece, the college and career readiness piece, um, the second component for us in our graduation pathways today is work-based, project-based, service-based learning. So we're really leaning into the quality work-based learning space, working with our business and industry. How might we build out apprenticeships for uh, these emerging industries? Um, and how might we make sure the junior and senior year is really spent on, on that kind of work, the high quality work-based learning, the skill development evaluation happening in the business, not just the four walls of the of the classroom. Yeah. Um, and then that third component that will really be uh, peeling back is the credential of value. Um, we, we always say credential of value because not all credentials matter. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Um, and in, if, in the marketplace or the, the talents or skills that they represent, you know, what, what is in demand? What is in demand presently? What is the future demand? How can it be stackable for the child to have economic mobility, um, it, it's essential. So those are the three com components that we're really going to be attacking ahead. Um, our, our leadership of both chambers and governor are, are aware that um, there are over 100 provisions right now in Indiana state law. And um, one of our roles this coming legislative session will be to tell them um, what we need what we don't need, what we need to modify in order to allow us to really disrupt the high school um, as we know it today. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the process that you that you've taken where you create the 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 idea, if you will, the big idea, you go out and get a lot of input from all the stakeholders, parents, educators, the business community, like you described um, and you design, you know, or, or you come up with the, this is what is absolutely critical when it comes to education. And then, like you said, you go back and look at what's currently in law, what's currently in policy, what's currently even in tradition and what has to change there in order for us to 
meet this objective that you've identified. And yes. uh, th- that that can be the hard work. It takes time. But uh, but I think over time, you, you, you gain more and more um, uh, confidence from the folks that are, uh, who, whether they're parents or business people or patrons. Um, and one of the critical components of that is is data, right? It, that you can show the, the the progress that's being made. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you, you mentioned that the data is out there. It just unfortunately resides in many different silos and and pulling that together. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that, that that's a great, um, it, it sounds like something that is a model, right? Uh, of how you developed it. And then uh, the next step is you've got to figure out how to implement it. And that's and right. You're in the middle of that. Well, and there's one other piece that you might be um, interested in um, because you're right, it's building the model, but it's also how do you deploy it well? And when you think about um, increasing credentials of value, if you think about the cost of dual enrollment courses potentially, think about work-based learning, you think about all the barriers that I'm sure people listening are thinking of, like, well, what about the kids who can't drive? What about transportation? What about this? What about that? One of the things um, our General Assembly set up and said said to us, go forth and design it, is um, a CSA. It's uh, akin to an ESA, but a CSA is a career scholarship account. It's the first in the nation. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's fascinating. And and by the way, we're going to learn from it. It's not going to be perfect in the beginning. We're going to learn from it. We're going to improve it. We're going to expand it. Um, but we'll be launching that for the first time ever this fall. And that allows um, up to $5,000 per year for uh, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th graders to get that work-based learning experience, um, to, to earn that credential of value. Um, now, the caveat in the short period is it's designed to scale. So first year, there's a, there's a limit on how many students so that we can do it well, learn from it. Second year, it's a little bit more. And then we'll go back in budget sessions, share what we've learned, share the data and see where they land on the next. But the CSA is, so I described the, the totally rethinking our diploma requirement structure, but it's also really starting to think about our financial structure and how might it look. Yeah, you, when you look at you know um, funding formulas and accountability systems, that's what drives the, most of the decisions made at the local level, right? And those better be in line with your vision and ideas because they'll trump your vision and ideas if if they're not right. That's what focuses. Um, I want to shift gears here really quick because one of the things that you've done is also recognize that for all of this to work, uh, literacy is. A foundational skill, and and in the early grades, it's absolutely critical. So, talk to us about um, the work happening in Indiana, and then also the direct connection. You know, if you if you have kids in high school and you have all these amazing ideas, you need kids to enter high school ready to be able to take full advantage of all of those. And if academically they're not ready, lit, whether it's literary skills or math skills, they're not ready then you've built this amazing opportunity, but they're they're not going to be able to take advantage of it. So talk That's to us about right. what you've done with literacy in in Indiana. Well, and the, the old adage, first you learn to read, 
then you read to learn. Yeah. It's exactly as playing out in Indiana and across our country. Um, coming in to this role, we immediately pulled not only the, the data post-COVID, but we pulled the longitudinal data. What we found um, in Indiana is that for about a decade, Tom, we've been in a decline in our reading, foundational reading at the end of third grade. Um, a lot of people just attribute learning issues right now to COVID, um, and that is false. We had learning issues much before. It just exacerbated yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in Indiana today, and, and this is pretty startling and not something we're necessarily proud of, but I'll say it. In Indiana today, we have one in five third graders who are not able to read. Um, I think in in many you mean at grade level, yeah, at grade level, or 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 they're, read. they're not able to pass a foundational. We call it IRE three. You yeah. may remember um, when that was created. They're not able to pass that. Yeah. A decade, eighty one point six percent. Now we're our new data will come out in a couple of weeks, but. 2022 data was 81.6 percent were passing. The highest we've been was back in 2012-2013 school year at 91.4 percent. We've been in a decline. Yeah. Um, we've seen that somewhat with our NAEP scores as well. Um, so the urgency uh, is real. The crisis is real. So we are fortunate enough to have the Lilly Endowment right here in Indiana. Um, great relationship with them. Uh, we announced in August the largest literacy investment in the history of our state, up to 111 million, to focus not only on our current teachers to make sure they understand the science of reading practices and strategies, unlearn the three queuing and some of the other stuff, right? Yes. But then up to 25 million is on our ed prep programs as well. We are really really leaning in to um, to call out what is working and what is not working um, in our ed prep colleges. So um, then I, I'll also add um, our General Assembly this past session, um, I mean, gosh, they came through with even more. They gave us about 60 million to further, um, you know, scale this work uh, in different ways. So we have several different uh, tactics moving to, to drive this much needed change. You know, Katie, one thing, uh, uh, let, let's cover this um, quickly and then, then we'll wrap this up. I want to be respectful of your time, but one theme I hear through all of this is there seems to be um, a strong working relationship between the governor's office, your, your position and the, and the legislature that that's not that's not common. It, there are other states that are that have that um, that have that um, privilege, if you will. Uh, that that's not easy to maintain. There's a lot of people that have a lot. Egos are always part of this, you know, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But yeah. people have their own agendas. Everybody went to school, so they have their own ideas of what it should look like. But um, uh, you're in a unique position um, there in Indiana when you have. Uh, I'm assuming the state board also as part of that working um, uh, co cooperatively together. Yes, um, talk True. a bit about that and yeah. uh, and the benefits of that. So, so it's interesting, Tom. Um, when we came in, and when when the governor asked me to join the team in 
and be the secretary in November of 2020, that was one of our first conversations. He said, he said, Katie, um, and th these are my words, but he said it better than I'm about to say it, but essentially, Katie, uh, over the past many years in education in Indiana, the headlines have been State Board of Ed is battling Department of Education. Department of Education is battling the Senate or the House or the governor, but everyone's battling. When that happens, then we're not talking about the science of reading and high school redesign and all the other really important education topics that are urgent to be discussing. So he said, um, he said, I want you to build Indiana's education focus, um, the strategies, the pillars, and drive it and drive it forward. So he really um, charged our team to build bridges that had been burned down to the ground. Yeah. yeah. And we um, spend still today many, many hours a week talking to stakeholders hearing from Hoosiers, all sorts of Hoosiers, um, and spend many, many hours um, talking to our decision makers, our legislators. What are you hearing? What, um, what, pro what, what challenges can we help solve? In fact, right before this interview, I had a legislator in my office. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's uh, this morning I had two. Um, but, but we started okay. to pull, we started to pull them to the table strategically to help us solve so that they can see um, some of the tough battles that we have, but also so that they can see the transparent data. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a real, I'm very, very grateful for um, our governor and our, the leadership of both chambers. They have been, I'm knocking on wood now. Yeah. Um, they have been fantastic to work with. Well, that and the, and the students will benefit from this because we've seen examples. Your your state not too many years ago, but then others even today, where um, uh, you just don't have that cooperation. One 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 thing I've noticed, um, I had the privilege of uh, having um, a governor that was very supportive, and we worked closely together for the eight years I was in office. Um, um, and I, I see what happens when you have a governor and an education leader that aren't on the same page and all, or, or if you have a governor that education just isn't a priority. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. care if you're an elected state superintendent or appointed, um, yeah. you know, a state superintendent is not going to get this all done. You have to have a governor that's willing Absolutely. to be part of the leadership in Indiana benefits from that. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, just really appreciate that leadership and that example in that area the work that you're doing um, on um, career readiness and yes. um, Indiana graduate. Prepare to succeed. Go Indianagps.com. It's a go. work in progress, but go check it out. We'll do that. And then um, thank you for being on the show and, and, and on, on the podcast on Swimming Upstream. And uh, one thing we, all, we do to always close our podcasts is we ask... What is um, what is one piece of trivia or something that's unique about Indiana that uh, most people don't know? So, Tom, I'm, I always keep it real, no matter who I'm talking to. So I'm talking to you and any of the listeners. I totally was looking at my comms director like, what? <laughs> what? 
Um, I can talk education all day, but in terms of the, the quick yeah, trivia, yeah, yeah. you never want me on your team there. Um, we have in Indiana, um, we have, there are three presidents and six vice presidents who have roots in the Hoosier state. Yeah, that, that's, I would not, I would not know that. That works. Yeah. So, and tell your comms um, director, well done. Well, <laughs> that's a good well one. <laughs> uh, and, and this was asked today, um, Indiana's, Indiana state pie is the sugar cream pie. We do it better than any other state and the tenderloin sandwich. So everybody, everybody should come to Indiana to get those two things and anything else they might want. But uh, right. those are right. a couple of Fantastic. Others. So we learned uh, obviously some history that I, I wasn't aware of. Um, and uh, um, wasn't Dan Quayle from Indiana? That's the only one I could think of. And of course, Abraham Lincoln has some yeah. ties to Indiana. Harrison. Right? Okay. President Harrison. No, cool. don't. Is me, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stop right there too. I've exhausted <laughs> my my history off the top of my head. But but those are great, and we appreciate you sharing those with us. And uh, Secretary of Education Katie Jenner uh, from the great state of Indiana, thank you for being our guest on Swimming Upstream, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for listening. And remember, our children may only be 22 percent of our population but they represent 100% of our future. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. Swimming Upstream is part of the Stratagos Podcast Network. To view the entire lineup of our shows, visit our website, stratagosgroup.com.